welcome to our SBT Sutra Studies class, our ongoing exploration of the Buddha Sutras. My name is Venerable Tarpa, and before we begin our class, let's take a moment as usual to appreciate our handsome community gathered here today. Today, I feel fortunate to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing this present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today, I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today, I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And like always, let's remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others, to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, to maturely accept and embrace the reality of our situation while striving to improve it. Again, welcome back to our SBT Sutra Studies class. We are currently examining the Dhamma, the Dhamma Chaku Pavatana Sutra. Say that 10 times fast. Wow. The setting in motion of the Wheel of Dharma Sutra, or simply the Wheel Turning Sutra. But uh, before we get to our class, let's take a moment just to review what we've been talking about so far. And so, and I think I'll just pop these up as memes and we could just look at a couple here. So in this sutra, we're primarily talking about the Four Noble Truths. And so the Four Noble Truths are, first, the truth of suffering. Second, the truth of the cause of suffering. Three, the truth of the cessation or stopping of suffering. And four, the truth of the path leading to the stopping of suffering, which is the Eightfold Path. SBT has a unique way of looking at these. For SBT, we see the Four Noble Truths as, one, the existence of samsara, two, the cause of samsara, three, the existence of nirvana, and four, the cause of, of nirvana. And that pertains to the, four, the meaning of the four, four Noble Truths for SBT, meaning one, that samsara is suffering. Usually they'll translate the first as life is suffering, but not all life. Enlightened, enlightened life is free of suffering. So it's clear that what the Buddha is talking about is that samsara is suffering. Two, Samsara is called by, caused by holding wrong views of the true nature and the true nature of reality. Three, that nirvana is the absence of samsara. And four, nirvana is caused by holding right views of the true nature, of our true nature and the true nature of reality. 
and right view is attained through following the Eightfold Path. Okay, and okay, and we're going to talk about this one in a second. So that's a little review to get us back up to speed. Um, and with that said, uh, today we're going to be on our fourth class for the Wheel Turning Sutra. Um, and we're going to be talking today about uh, the 12 aspects of the Four Noble Truths. And so let's begin by reading through the sutras. We have any volunteer readers? Darcy, would you like to do a little reading? Mike, would you do like to do a little reading? Okay. Uh, and I think Neil always loves to do some reading as well. Um, and let me put that up here for us. We're going to start with Bhikkhu Bodhi. Now, um, when we're reading... I'm putting these in word form up here so uh, we can I, I can edit them. Um, Choki Rinpoche's text throughout the whole throughout this whole exploration of the wheel turning uh, sutra has been quite strange. Uh, I thought it was it was cool that I found a representation of it through Tibetan Buddhism, um, but um, it's been a little bit hard to follow. And one of the reasons is that it's translated from the Sanskrit, but also uh, within the Kangyur and Tengyur in Tibetan Buddhism or the Buddhist canon, um, sometimes the things are categorized a little bit differently. Meaning is that uh, they give a very a very short presentation of this very short sutra but the information that seems to be missing can be found in other parts of the canon as well and so that makes it a little bit difficult but nevertheless it really adds uh it adds a little bit of information not just of the sutra but of the difference between the traditions and i do have to say uh, throughout the exploration of the sutra uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's version has just been exemplar, exemplary. It's it's a wonderful presentation and by far the clearest. I think Bhikkhu Bodhi's, the one that I have on the screen right now, is probably the closest to the original sutra. But nevertheless, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's is a wonderful read. It's a very it's very e uh, it's very easy to read, and I think it's poignant and graceful it's very it's very beautiful okay with that said um i have this part kind of in this brownish color and i wanted to i wanted to just kind of read through this um and tashi would you like to do us the honor of reading through this now the sutras are notoriously strange to read and even the presentations. So feel free to take your time and don't don't worry if you stumble. One of the things that makes them hard to read, they tend to be really annoyingly repetitive. And so what was nice is Thich Nhat Hanh kind of takes that out of it. It gives a straightforward presentation. So don't let that bother you, Tashi. Why don't you start up right up here? So long, Bikulus, as my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths as they really are in their three phases and 12 aspects was not thoroughly purified in this way. I did not claim to have awakened to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, Mara, and Brahma 
In this generation, with its ascetics and Brahmins, its devas and humans, but when my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths, as they really are in their three phrases and 12 aspects, was thoroughly purified in this way, then I claim to have awakened to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, Mara, and Brahma. In this generation, with its ascetics and Brahmins, its devas and humans, the knowledge and vision arose in me. Unshakable is the liberation of my mind. This is my last birth. Now there is no more renewed existence. Oh, you did a great job reading that. And as you can tell, it reads quite cryptic, right? Like even the first part when he's talking about, um, I was not thoroughly purified in this way until I, and what he's saying is through understanding the Four Noble Truths, truths through their three phases, um, I reached enlightenment. So that's what the Buddha's claiming here. And um, and then they talk about some of the some of the fellow beings that are walking the earth with everybody. We have devas, which are where lower gods are devas. We have Mara, which is the used to be the Lord of Death. Mara is really our afflictive behaviors, and Brahma, which is the god in Hinduism. Uh, in the time it was in Hinduism, it was Brahmanism, and Brahma was the favorite of all the gods at that time. Um, and then we also have uh, ascetics and Brahmins. So <clears throat> ascetics would be those forest dwellers meditating. Brahmins re refers to the priest class that worship, worship Brahma. And you even got some human beings in there. So you got a big arrangement of, uh, of people in that all. And, um, and so through this knowledge that we're going to talk about in a second, the Buddha says, the knowledge and vision arose in me. Unshakable is the liberation of my mind. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? And this is the difference. Like many, many people in the Buddha's day claim that they've reached enlightenment. And the Buddha, uh, oftentimes their students, was sure that he, that he hadn't. And for some reason, the Buddha always had a suspicion that there was more, where the other people reached some kind of profound state and they said, oh, that's it. The Buddha knew there must be more. And so he kept trying, but he does reach a point, And here it is, where he says, oh, no more, this is it. This, my mind is liberated right now, and this is unshakable. And then he says, this is my last birth. So again, for uh, in secular Buddhism, we have folks that, that, that have a belief in rebirth, and we have folks that don't. Uh, but it's, again, very clear that the Buddha did have a belief in Buddhism. Some think that re or rebirth was kind of added to the to the sutras at a later time. And there could be truth to that, but it's so inundated with, uh, with references about rebirth, it seems to be impossible. I mean, they're just in all the Buddha sutras. And here, they're just dropped in in these little pearls like that one. The Buddha is sure that he has a full, unshakable liberation that he's not gonna, he's not gonna fall away from. And he's sure that this is his last birth, that he's not going to take rebirth again. So clearly, the Buddha believes in rebirth, but we don't, we don't have to, just because uh, 
you know, it's stated there, it's still up to us. Um, now there was no more renewed existence. That sounds very poetic, but again, it's just a, uh, it's just a presentation, it's just a translation. We're not sure of the original. Okay, thank you, Darcy. We're gonna to get to this in a second, but now I want to, um, I want to share Thich Nhat Hans, and we're going to share Choki Rinpoche's in a second, because it really refers to something different than what we're talking about here at the beginning. Mike, would you like to read this? This is a short piece. It's terribly repetitive, and if you want to you know, here's an idea, Mike. The last part of it is exactly the same for all of them. How about we just read the first line through the bold, and the first one read the whole thing, but on the on the following ones, just read up through, through the bold part. If that makes sense. Are you there, Mike? Are you muted? Uh, yeah, I guess you got to unmute, don't you? So uh, here we go. <laughs> Monks, when I realized the noble truth of suffering, seeing, understanding, insight, wisdom, and light arose in me with regard to things I had not heard before. Monks, when I realized the noble truth of suffering needs to be understood, etc. Monks, monks, when I realized the noble truth of suffering has been understood, etc. When I realized the noble truth of the causes of suffering, etc. When I realized the causes of suffering need to be given up, etc. When I realized that the causes of suffering have been given up, etc. When I realized the noble truth of ending suffering, etc. When I realized the ending of suffering needs to be experienced, etc. When I realized the ending of suffering has been experienced, etc. When I realized the normal truth, the noble truth of the path that leads to the end of suffering, etc. And a couple more here. When I realized that the path that leads to the end of suffering needs to be practiced. Now the whole thing. Seeing, understanding, insight, and wisdom, and light arose in me with regard to things I have not heard before. Another one? Yeah, the last one, the whole thing, please. When I realized that the path that leads to the end of suffering has been practicing, practiced, seeing, understanding, insight, wisdom, and light arose in me with regard to things I had not heard before. And you could finish these two paragraphs if you would. Or how about stopping there? How about letting Neil do some reading here? Mm -hmm. Neil, do you want to do some reading? Yeah, okay. As long as insight and understanding of the four noble truths in their three stages and 12 aspects, just as they are, had not been realized, I can say that in the world with its gods, Maras, Brahmins, recluses, Brahmins and humans, someone who had realized the highest awakening, monks, 
as soon as insight and understanding of the Four Noble Truths in their three stages and 12 aspects, just as they are, had been realised, I could say that in this world, with its gods, bars, brahmins, recluses, brahmins and humans, someone had realised the highest awakening, that understanding and seeing had arisen, that the liberation of my mind is unshakable, that this is my last birth, that there is no more becoming. Oh, great job. Thank you. And uh, so it's interesting. The Buddha liked, liked to use uh, negating terms quite a bit. So the first paragraph, he states it in the negative terms. As long as nobody has done these, there's no realization. And in the second one, he states it in the positive. Um, many uh, assert that one of the reasons these sutras read so strangely and they're so repetitive is because they were put in a format to be chanted well. And so a lot like lyrics in your favorite pop song that repeat, right? I think that that was the idea that you had like this catchy, you had this catchy verse and you keep going through the verse with just a little change. So maybe it's like that beer song when you're driving in the car. 99 bottles of beer on the wall. and then You just change the number and everybody knows the lyrics and everybody can sing along, right? Did I get a joke? Did I get a laugh out of that joke? That was a good one. Okay. Anyways, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a good uh, guess at, at why the, they read the way they do. So... I want to make, I'm going to make this easy for everybody because I don't think there is an easy uh, exper uh, 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 presentation of it. And, and we're going to do that by, let me stop one second. I don't know if I always have to, I don't know if I always have to uh, come out to put a new topic up. One second, everybody, let me call this up. Um, I think this is it. Yeah, here we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a little chart I made up that makes it a little bit easier to, to understand the 12 aspects of the Four Noble Truths. So, there's three knowledges or realizations uh, according to each one of the Four Noble Truths. And let's take a look at what those are. So with the suffering, this is an easy one to understand. So the first one is the knowledge that suffering is suffering. And what that means is understanding thoroughly exactly what suffering is. And the, and the reason they word it this way is that there's many times where we might actually think we're experiencing pleasure when we're actually experience suffering, or we're in the midst of creating suffering. And this is a, probably an obvious example would be in non-virtuous behavior, whatever that might be, where we're, we're committing the non-virtue, but with the idea that somehow there's pleasure being driven from it. But ultimately, for a person who knows what's to be abandoned and what's to be cultivated, and that person understands 
the subtle nature of suffering and the hidden nature of suffering, that even things that seem pleasurable, either there's a hidden suffering or that pleasure will lead to further suffering. When they understand suffering completely, they know the ins and outs of suffering. So the knowledge that suffering is suffering, you know, inside and out. So that's the first knowledge. The second one is the knowledge that suffering must be understood. So the first one is knowing what suffering is inside and out. And the, suffer the second one is knowing that suffering, especially in order to, to uh, liberate yourself from it, it has to be fully understood inside and out. The third knowledge is unusual. It says the knowledge that suffering has been understood. If you notice, the third aspect of each one is past tense. So imagine that you're, you're on the verge of awakening. I mean, right, right there on the edge. And you see, okay, for suffering, you have to know that suffering is suffering. You have to know that suffering must be understood. And you have to know that, yes, indeed, I have fully understood it. And th the third one is the acknowledgement that you've succeeded on those three aspects of that noble truth, right? The knowledge that I indeed know suffering is suffering and know, su and know suffering fully. I know it and therefore I've, I've graduated. I don't know what better words you want to be. I've attained that. I've achieved that, right? So on each one, that's what the third one does. It's almost like in hindsight, it's a checklist. Okay, you think you're the awakened being, do you? Here's the 12-step checklist to prove that you're awakened being to everyone. The next one is the cause of suffering. The knowledge that craving is the cause of suffering, or in the Mahayana tradition, we say ignorance. Then uh, number two, the knowledge that craving must be abandoned. The, cra the knowledge that craving has been abandoned, right? So understanding the cause of suffering, understanding that it needs to be abandoned, and looking at it, we got our pencil and our pad out, you check, yes, I have abandoned the cause of suffering. The, cause, the cessation of suffering, the knowledge that the cessation of craving is a cessation of suffering. The cessation of ignorance is a cessation of suffering. Number two, the knowledge that cessation must be realized. And number three, the knowledge that cessation has been realized. The last one, the path, David Williamson's here, uh, the path to the cessation of suffering, the knowledge that the eightfold path is the cessation of suffering, the knowledge that the path must be cultivated, and lastly, the knowledge that the path has been cultivated. Let's read number one again. The knowledge that the eightfold path is the cessation of suffering. So clearly that means the attainment of the Eightfold Path, the realization of the Eightfold Path is a cessation of suffering. I think that's what it was original, and as you could see, it was just too long, I had to shorten it. And again, the last one, that it has been cultivated. So 
according now what's interesting is this adds one more answer to the big question we're always asked what how do you know you're enlightened what what's the what's the uh, uh definition of enlight for achieving enlightenment and we have a couple of them often we say uh it's the uh, uh eradication of the three poisons hatred uh, greed and delusion or ignorance um and some people would say that that's the that's the classification for uh achieving nirvana not enlightenment which this one is enlightenment um so there's a couple different answers we give but this one's pretty interesting that when someone has realized the 12 aspects right so here it says the knowledge the knowledge the knowledge but really uh maybe it'd be more poignant if if i change it to the realization on each one of them so to and and here it says buddhahood it doesn't say nirvana or enlightenment it says buddhahood according to the mahayana school buddhahood is the highest of all attainments and so um, i'm not sure where i got this list from but i'm guessing it must have come from a mahayana presentation okay so your assignment is to realize the 12 aspects by next saturday and i'll post a couple memes to make it easy for everybody <laughs> we'll practice a practice schedule so you can easily accomplish each one on each day of the week yeah it's a big job isn't it to be able to do that but um it's a direction right it's a direction that we move in and um so as you as i see them and i'm thinking about it and i'm trying to uh think of a simpler way to look at these in a sense they're 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 somewhat obvious aren't they in a sense we're all doing we've all been doing them for a long time now haven't we all you know you guys have all had teachings on the four noble truths so the first noble truth when we teach it that's what we're trying to do we're trying to teach you what is samsara what is suffering right and we, we you know we've done classes here on buddhism they talk about three main kinds of suffering and then secondary types of suffering and so buddhism goes into great detail teaching what suffering is because most people don't really understand how pervasive suffering is that suffering is hidden inside the fabric of life in so many ways some of the sufferings are so subtle subtle existential things like we talk about a subtle longing in life that a suffering that's just under there that there's always kind of a hole in us that we're trying to fill this longing for belonging and fitting in and wanting to be loved wanting to be valued wanting to be accepted that's such a that's such a subtle suffering huh some might not even call it suffering but it is yeah and these these other subtle the subtle anxieties that we never know what's about to happen we never know if we're going to be healthy tomorrow or next week we never know if our family is going to be healthy next week we never know 
if we're going to have a job. We never know all the crazy things that go on politically. We never know if a meteorite's going to smash into the earth. Whatever it may be, there's great anxiety in just what is going to happen. So, again, uh, understanding suffering, exactly what suffering is, is huge. We've talked about that. So, first one, let's give it a check. Can you do our checks for us, Darcy? Can we do a check? Sure. How do I do that? Like this. Oh, that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You ready? I can do that. First one we got. Give us a check, Darcy. Thank you. Second one, knowledge that suffering must be fully understood. We all know that, right? Yes. That, so that's not a mystery. So we don't have to worry about the first two. We're already doing it. Third, the knowledge of suffering has to be fully understood. That's going to happen one day when you realize it. It's not something you practice, right? It's some, at some point, you'll really get the Four Noble Truths, and you'll say, got it, right? And balloons fall from the ceiling. So we could do the same thing with the other three. In a sense, we're already doing them all. So there's not a lot that needs to be done here. It's just understanding that this is a direction that we're moving towards. This is an outline of what we need to do to get there. But we're already doing them all. So don't think that I'm giving you a whole bunch of homework. I'll post this meme after class. Okay, wanted to share that with you. Now I wanted to do something different. I wanted to call up uh, Choki Rinpoche's, uh, let me see what I'm doing here. I wanted to call up Choki Rinpoche's, here it is. And this is, so, this is strange. Now, Choki Rinpoche's doesn't get into the three aspects, but instead his version gets into the what I would call the four aims. I don't know if these of this particular teaching actually has a name. I've always called it the four aims of the Four Noble Truths. Um, and I know Stephen Batchelor has his own version of these, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, I'll go ahead and read this one because the chokies are weird to read. So monks regarding things that I had not previously heard, as I reflected thoroughly, a vision arose, and the insight, knowledge, misunderstanding, sorry, and real Freudian slip, understanding and realization arose. With higher knowledge, I have comprehended suffering, that truth of noble beings. Uh, okay. Monks regarding things that I have not previously heard, as I reflected thoroughly, the vision arose and the insight, knowledge, understanding, and realization arose. With higher knowledge, I have relinquished the origin of suffering. Blah, 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 blah. I have actualized the cessation of suffering. Blah, 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 blah. I have cultivated the path leading to the cessation of suffering. Monks, until I had achieved the vision, insight, knowledge, understanding, and realization of these four truths of the noble beings that are turned to three phases and comprise 12 aspects, I had not been freed from this world and its divas, from, from its living beings, including 
uh, Maras and Brahmins, as well as mendicants and Brahmins, from its gods and humans. I had not escaped from it, severed its ties with it, or been delivered from it, nor did I dwell extensively with a mind free from error. Monks, I do have the knowledge. Monks, I do not have the knowledge that I had fully awakened to unsurpassed and perfect Buddhahood. Monks, once I had achieved the vision, insight, knowledge, understanding, and realization of turning these four truths of noble beings in three phases with 12 aspects, I was then freed from this world with his divas, with his living beings, blah, 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 blah and escaped from it, severed ties with it, blah, 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 blah. Monks, I had, I then had the knowledge that I had fully awakened to unsurpassed and perfect Buddhahood. Isn't that lovely? And so now, Choki Rinpoche's version has been problematic as we've been trying to read it, but there's a lot of nuggets in there, right? And But I'm still a little surprised because he lists the four aims here and then talks about the three aspects of the four. Uh, so uh, it's a little bit encrypted, cryptic for me. Anyways, uh, it's quite beautiful. Uh, and Lan uh, on that note, I also wanted to share this. Um, Zimbiku Bodhis. I just wanted to, again, I love the language in this. Was it this one? Maybe it was Thich Nhat Hans. I just wanted to share it again because it made a big impact on me when I was uh, young, younger. I was in Bodh, I was in Bodh Gaya. No, I'm sorry, I was at the Deer Park where the Four Noble Truths was taught. Not in the Buddha's day. I was there a little bit after that. And I was uh, I was there on pilgrimage. And I think I told the story before they have these these stone signs throughout the gardens with with uh, with uh, quotes and captions from the teachings. And uh, it had this on a, on a stone tablet, and I was so moved by it at the time. But just the, uh, just the adjectives or the, the vocabulary. So like when he says here, he realized the four noble truths of suffering, seeing, uh, and what arose in him was seeing. Now, uh, again, I want to make that point. What, uh, what qualities came to him? What qualities unfolded and, and arose from that insight were seeing, understanding, insight, wisdom, and light. I just think that those are really beautiful. And especially the word light, I think that that's really nice. Uh, that's a nice uh, image. Okay, so with that said, I want to look at that one just a little bit we're doing good on time uh and this is the so these this pertains more to the cultivation of the four truths and uh the buddha asserted a unique aim for each of the four noble truths number one the truth of suffering suffering are to be known the truth of cessation their causes are to be abandoned. 
the truth of cessation, their cessation is to be actualized. The truth of path, the path is to be relied upon. I think it's fairly clear, right? So sufferings are to be known. We have to understand what suffering is. Uh, two, their causes are to be abandoned. The causes of suffering we need to abandon. Number three, the truth of cessation. Their cessation is to be actualized. The stopping of the, of the causes of suffering have to be actualized, have to be committed. And number four, the path itself, the Eightfold Path, is to be relied upon for doing that. So this is a beautiful uh, in short instruction for working with the Four Noble Truths. And lastly, any questions about that so far? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, where does this come from, the cultivation of the Four Noble Truths? I don't know. Where did, where did you I don't remember. It? I just don't remember where it came from. I've been teaching it and writing it and, and for for ages. The thing about it is uh, I studied Tibetan Buddhism. So oftentimes the things that we studied, they never made a big distinction, whether it was Theravada or, or Mahayana. Okay. And so um, I actually don't. Um, so here's a couple thoughts. I know that Tsongkhapa shares it, but I think it, I think it goes back the, the earliest that I know is it's, it's, a, it's asserted that Maitreya, the Bodhisattva Maitreya, shares it uh, to monks. And that comes from the Mahayana Sutra. That's the, that's the oldest I go back. But I don't know if it goes further back to the Theravada. It was, I was interested because it's almost identical to Stephen Batchelor's uh, uh, take on it. Yeah, they probably stole it from Stephen. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're terrible at that plagiarism. Just more of Stephen's work being stolen. And yeah, yeah, no, no, this goes, this is a, this is a real, um, I have a feeling it's Mahayana. I just like saying I don't know, just to shock everybody. You're not supposed to say that. There's a lot I don't know. But yeah, I think, I, I'm guessing it's Mahayana and it's, uh, it's, it's shared as coming from Maitreya. And of course, Maitreya is a bodhisattva, so he's not like sitting around writing it down. I think Maitreya's work, if I'm not mistaken, is usually asserted by Nargarjuna, a teacher of Nargarjuna. I think it's Nargarjuna. So whenever they say attributed to, a te uh, to Maitreya, it's the work of Nargarjuna. But I'm not a scholar. I'm not a person to ask that one. Thanks for asking such a difficult question. Man, we're going to have to move you to the back of the class. Teasing is funny because it's not true. Tashi. Yeah. Um, so it talks about the there's three, the three, like the truth of suffering, the cause, and the cessation are the three. And then the 12 i'm trying to get those numbers figured out well this so, one doesn't this one doesn't match up with those as far as oh, i know okay so the three well, aspects thinking, the three aspects are like knowing abandoning it and then um cultivating right no no they're oh. in fact they're they're really quite different that's kind of my point is that 
Choki Rinpoche really seems to go off topic. And let's take a let's take another look at. Oh, I have it. Uh, I have it right here. Uh, let's just go back to this. Um, see, it's the third one here is in past tense, so they don't really match. They're all the knowledge or the realization, and uh, so the first two are realization, and the, well, I guess they're all realizations, but they're the third one's in past tense or future tense, so. As far as I know, they're not connected with that at all. So it seems like Choki Rinpoche goes off topic, but then he talks about the three aspects. So maybe I'm missing something. Can our wise Sangha? Does That's what I was have... getting at. Is like the three aspects are like um, knowing that there is suffering and abandoning the cause of the suffering and then the third part yeah and relying upon they're yeah. just not they're not connected at all but it but the um actualizing it is it that the well the, the, the well they're all every one of these is actualizing only okay. it's just a question of what you're actual what what you're realizing and when you're realizing okay That's what so i'm just making about. it more complicated than it is no, you're doing exactly what I did when I read when I read it too. I was trying to clearly. I thought there must be some kind of connection, but yeah. um, again, uh, Choki Rinpoche's commentary has just been difficult this whole this whole class. So, but there's been some jewels in there as well. Okay, so it, I, can I have two questions? Yeah. So in that, aside from that, so when a person goes through these, they don't just boom, boom, boom in succession, right? They'll go and then they drop back a little sometimes and until they get it. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Progress is not a straight line. Okay. We go back and forth. And then remember that the last one, the Eightfold Path, is we're utilizing that to help us with all of them. So again, these are, uh, these are, uh, uh, the, I can't remember the word I'm trying to use. They're, they all connect with each other, right? There, I don't, I don't believe there is any, there is a necessary, well, I'll take that back. The first three are, are clear. You have to understand what suffering is and then understand the, the roots of that suffering before you can think about the cessation of suffering. But what happens is it's kind of like spiral learning. So you, when you first learn it, you have a basic idea of what it is. And then every time you come back around to it, you get a deeper and a deeper or a higher and a higher understanding of those. That's so yeah. they, they all come in holistically. We, we, we understand them all together. Yeah, everything in Buddhism is spiral learning. We always keep coming back to things with a deeper understanding each time. Yeah, I, yeah, this is cool. I'm making connections here. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And lastly, I want to get to one more thing before we get we get too late. Um, people often wonder. Uh, we have the Buddhism loves its numbers. I tell you. In fact, there's a book you can buy online. It's called the Buddhist Book of Numbers. The three this and the four this and the 12 and the seven, it's a huge book, you wouldn't believe it. And I can't keep them all straight. But many people ask, um, is the three aspects of the Four Noble Truths similar to the four 
aspects of the Four Noble Truths or the 16 aspects. And because of course they sound so familiar. And I just wanted to clarify that they're not related. Um, the, the, the 12 aspects which we just covered is uh, kind of the outline or checklist of the direction that we're moving in. The six aspects of the Four Noble Truths is an actual contemplative practice. All right. So this is actual cultivating. This is instructions for how to realize the Four Noble Truths. Or let's say it's an aid to those because each one, um, they're, they're slightly different topics, but they relate to each one. I'm going to go through this briefly. If anybody's interested in practicing this, you can find this chart in Tibetan Buddhist Essentials, Volume 3. Um, and that's a free download from our website, sptonline.com. So now they team these up with the various truths. So the truth of suffering, the contemplations are impermanence, suffering, emptiness, and selflessness. Some of you might recognize that as the four seals or the four conditions, uh, the four universal truths. We talked about the three universal truths being impermanence, suffering and selflessness in the mahayana school they add one more to it and they add emptiness and something well actually what they do is they combine emptiness and selfishness and they add one which is nirvana nevertheless that's basically what the contemplation is for the truth of suffering i hope i'm not making this more complicated I'm trying to simplify it. The second one is the truth of suffering. And we contemplate, and we when we say contemplate, we take it into our insight meditation like we're learning now. You can sit on the back porch with a cup of coffee and contemplate them. And the subjects are cause, the cause of, uh, of ignorance in this case, or the cause of suffering, that's origin, a strong production, the ignorance and affliction uh, possesses a great force which produces strong suffering and conditions, the attachments and conditions that allow for such a thing. Then we get the truth of cessation. Cessation itself, what is it? It's pacification. It's superb, that it is a superb source of benefit and happiness and definite emergence, which is another word for renunciation. That liberation is the total in unreversible release from suffering. And then lastly, we have the truth of the path, the path itself, awareness, that wisdom directly realizing self and emptiness is the antidote to afflictions. Achievement, that wisdom directly uh, is the achievement because its direction is realized, realizing the nature of the mind and deliverance, which is uh, that, that these conditions create uh, irreversible liberation. I didn't want to spend too much time talking about that, but I did want to make my point that the the 16 aspects are really much different than the 12 aspects. The 16 aspects clearly something that was written a long time later, and it, it's there for the cultivation of the Four Noble Truths. And we practiced it, I think, last year. A bunch of us, we were doing a Skillful Living program. A bunch of people wanted to practice it, and we found it rewarding. We practiced it together. And with that said, does anybody have any questions? Are we doing okay? I think I've said enough. Okay. 
Good to hear. I'm always attempting to make the classes shorter and a little bit easier, but I never get around to it. So, so today we explored the way to cultivate and realize the Four Noble Truths. Uh, this is a complex teaching and practice which will require much review. We'll need one more week to finish the twelve, uh, to, uh, finish the wheel turning sutra. Our sutra ends with the awakening of the monk Kandana, and uh, it's quite a interesting tale. So that's going to be fun to explore next week. I want everybody to remember that the sutra teachings are meant as practice instructions. So in order to get the greatest benefit. We need to engage fully with them, utilizing the three great objectives of study, contemplation, and practice. Um, your work this week is to discover how these teachings apply to your daily life, transforming them from words on a page into living dharma. So with that said, let's end today's class with our altruistic affirmation. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well. May all be present, free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is a source of great joy and contentment. We all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. I want to thank everybody for coming, and I'd like to remind everybody that tomorrow we have our 10-week meditation course, and we are going to be learning Vipassana meditation. It's a great, great class. So, uh, Big thanks for everybody for coming and making my Saturday fun. And I hope you got a lot out of the teachings. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tarpa. See you tomorrow. You're welcome. Anytime. You're welcome. Bye-bye.